0: Bo Hashem, with Hashem's loving grace, thank you, Rabbi. Wolbe. will be so privileged to cooperate with my brothers in arms, Imuna arms, and partners in doing spreading Hashem's light around the world, but to, to torch. Uh, it's a privilege to be here and a privilege to be with all of our cherished brothers and sisters. Uh, but right before we start, okay, the, right before we start, have, to what's going on in the war right now, and already 40, 40 days into the war, and uh, it was a little bit disappointment when, after very dangerous operation, very dangerous operation, getting downtown Gaza in the Shifa hospital and hoping to find hostages. Uh, the army didn't find hostages, but they found photographs of the hostages, and they found uh video clips of hostages and Bo Hashem. another thing uh, Hashem takes revenge on his children. Uh, there was a Hamas made their macho movie of themselves parading a poor young girl that they, they raped and murdered to the towns of Gaza. And this commander, this unit today, he got put to sleep. Thank you Hashem. And uh, hope to get the Hashem. You can't, they can try to escape from people. They can't escape from Hashem. And that's this is what keeps us smile on our face, that there's a shem in the world and the shem runs the world, and that everything is for the best. And this we got to tell ourselves all the time, like we said last night on an Emuna hour, when we learned Psalm 62, that the answer to PTSD to post-trauma and to anxiety and distress is a shem. Pick up what book to heal him. And so we see what I think that the whole purpose of the war is to prepare us for Mashiach. Because just like in peacetime in the army, in peacetime, by the time you get a promotion in peacetime, it takes years and years and years and years. When there's war, guys go fast up, fast up the rank. There's promotions go very fast because in the wartime, you have to prove yourself. The same thing, you know, one of Laser's favorite expressions is that you don't get a moon from eating chocolate ice cream. Okay. So that's it. Yeah, I don't. I uh, don't see. Uh, I haven't seen uh, Eric Nagel in Louisiana with a bowl with a bowl of chocolate ice cream while he's watching a Muna. No, he's not going to do that. He's at the Muna. They said uh, our Muna guys, and I don't see the Hollywoods family in Manchester with bowls of chocolate ice cream. No, it, you know, have to go through the people that go through difficulties in life. They get stronger in Muna. So, with that in mind, and let me tell you something else. This is great. What we're learning about is this. I picked a, a special Torah. Uh, thank you, Hashem. Torah 14, first part of are on Torah 14, it's going to take us at least three times, maybe four times to learn it. But the end of Torah 14 is an elaboration on Hanukkah. And we're going to get to that part of Torah 14 with our plan goes, with Hashem's help, just in Hanukkah. So this is preparing us already. This is a month of Kislev, the month of Hanukkah. We're preparing for Hanukkah. Not only that, but this Torah will encourage everyone, and for what they're doing, because Baruch Hashem in our group, we have a lot of Balchuvas and a lot of Noahides, and people that weren't born in to the program, and born in, their fathers were not Rosh shivas and their fathers were not uh, uh, Rebbe's, and Rebbe Nachman explains in this Torah that the further away a person comes to Hashem, the greater sanctification of Hashem's name it is. So that means when you come from far away, and you come to Hashem, and you throw away your old lifestyle, and you come into Hashem, and you accept His Torah, you accept His Noahide laws, whatever is is germane for you, what a magnificent sanctification of Hashem's name! You have got to know. Don't ever be down on yourself, because you're bringing Mashiach. You are bringing Mashiach and you will be in the honor guard to receive Mashiach. Not my words, Rabbi Nachman says it. Okay, so no further ado. We're going to Torah yud Dalid, Torah 14, first part. Okay, We starts off, and it says, Lashon Rabbeinu. Why does Rabbi Natan, when he compiled the Lekutem and said Lashon Rabbeinu, this is Rabbi Nachman himself speaking right now. Because if he's not, it's just written, and you know it was Rabbi Natan that wrote down the Torahs, of Rabbi Nachman. But when it was verbatim, Rabbi Nachman, he says, Lashon Rabbeinu. Okay, Lashon Rabbeinu, Zichron of Racha, right? It's after Rabbeinu left the physical world. And Rabbeinu is bringing a passage from Psalms, from Psalm 81, and Zatiku B'chodesh bekese Liyom Chagenu, which means blow a shofar at the new moon in the Holy Temple. They would blow a shofar on the new moon at the appointed time for the day of our festival. And... Also, we blow a shofar at the festival. When we have a festival, we have Pesach, we blow the shofar. And we have not only on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, but in the Holy Temple, and the sacrifice that the shofar announces the, the arrival of the, of the new moon and the new festival. Okay. So now, this is what we're going to be talking about. Rabbi Nachman is going to come back and he's going to elaborate on the inner meaning of this passage. But he starts out like this in letter Aleph. He says, Ah, now, we now have Rabbi Nachman's peace plan for the world. Rabbi Nachman's peace plan from the world says that if we want to bring peace to the world, what we have to do is we have to elevate and invoke the glory of Hashem. The glory of Hashem. And we have to bring it, bring it to its source. What does it mean? elevate the glory of Hashem and bring it to a source this needs elaboration it's the words are rabenu and, and he says that he's bringing his proof he says because it's written in Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 58 le yira et hashem so the source of hashem's glory is yira yira everybody translated as fear fear of hashem fear of hashem no i do not agree with that translation and you always hear me say of oh, hashem Hashem's Hashem is awesome. What does the word awesome mean? Awesome means that you look at something wide-eyed and your mouth open. It's awesome because it invokes awe. When a person has fear, it's an upper level of fear. First of there's three levels of fear of Hashem. So we are going to understand. The lowest level of fear of Hashem is the fear of punishment. In other words, a person won't steal because maybe thinks the bolt of lightning is going to come and hit his hand stealing that's a, that's, a, that's a good fear of Hashem but that's a low level. the next level of Shemaim, all of Hashem is when a person has fear of sin well he knows it's gonna it's gonna dirty up his soul and he knows as we said last night that the world is like a restaurant you order from the waiter he writes everything down you eat but in the end the bill comes you gotta pay the bill. Okay, give the cash or your credit card or something. You better have some money or else uh, you're going to be washing dishes or going to jail. All right. But the, the same thing. Uh, we don't want to be washing dishes in the next world because you don't wash dishes upstairs. Only you only wash dishes downstairs. All right, so the person doesn't want that. We don't want, any, we don't want any spiritual debts. We want to pay our debts, pay cash. Okay, so what does pay cash for our debts? It means we make shuva. All right, that's why we pay cash. But then there's the upper level. The upper level of all of Hashem is... Hashem is so magnificent. Hashem is so glorious. Hashem is such a loving father in heaven. He alone did, does, and will do. Hashem created me. Hashem loves me because my father in heaven. Wow. How can I do anything to go against Hashem? How can I do anything that would be anything other than gratification to Hashem? It's just like, look down the list of our our cherished brothers and sisters in our group, just to think that it's an anathema, a nightmare. To think that to, to, to say, I've got to be careful what we say, that you should say anything in a lesson to insult anyone, even accidentally. Heaven forbid, heaven forbid, heaven forbid. And think, I pray for this before every lesson, Hashem, that everybody should be able to say the right words and nobody misunderstand. And nobody be, so sometimes a person could be, uh, you could say the word donkey and a person is insulted. Why, he called me a donkey? No. Listen, <laughs> that, 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 that people here what we intend, what we're speaking, not hear what they they want to hear. So, this is the awe oh, of God, but we love Him so much. That's Yirat Hashem. So, the glory, the source of glory, the Torah tells us, and the, the, the innermost message, the source of Hashem's glory, is in the awe of Hashem. In other words, the more we human beings have awe of Hashem, this reveals his glory. Because the the, the Zohar says that no king, no no king with no kingdom, and there's no king with no subjects. Okay, so who's going to say if there's no subjects in the kingdom, who's going to say your majesty the king? So this is what Rabbi Nachman is telling us, that the fear, the awe of the glorious name of Hashem, this uplifts the glory of Hashem, and this is what brings peace in the world. Because everyone, if everyone would have all ah of Hashem, there'd be peace of the world. So, this is what we want to shoot for. Okay, that's a toy letter al- Aleph, letter B. Rabbi Nachman goes of, So, how do we uplift the glory of Hashem? Rabbi Nachman says the only way to uplift the glory of Hashem amongst each other is to do compassionate deeds for one another. When we do compassionate deeds for one another, this uplifts Hashem. I can tell you why. For example, uh, some, a little old lady wants to cross the street with her grocery bags and some guy with a beard and a keep on his head. And he says, excuse me, ma'am, let me help you cross the street. And she said, okay. So he helps her cross the street. And he takes her, where do you live? Oh, right here. And he brings up the packages up to her apartment. She goes in, she says, thank you very much. So she goes in and her, her son is in the apartment. And he says to his old mother, he says, hey mom, how'd you get home? He says, uh, this uh, Jewish guy, he carried my groceries home. He said, what? Yeah. He- Oh, this is okay. Hey, they must be special people. Yeah, they've got that. That's written in their Torah. And they found out, yeah, they got to do compassionate deeds for each other. This is a sanctification of Hashem's name. When you are at visible Jew, in other words, a practicing Jew or a practicing Noahide, people know who you are. And you, you're an ambassador of Hashem. You're an ambassador of Hashem because when people say, hey, this guy, he is so nice. He is so honest in his dealings, and it, it's a sanctification of Hashem, right? And what he does, he brings peace to the world, because he brings the glory of Hashem in everything he does. We're not talking about bombastic things that the Wall Street Journal and CNN write about. We're talking about daily things, daily things. So let's see about something daily. Rabbi Nachman is going to tell us, but it's not really daily. It's that something that looks very mundane, but it it really illuminates the upper worlds. Okay. Amul Chachamenu zichonim Vacha. Our sages, in page 49 of Tractate of Sukkah, they said, that the greatest compassionate deed you could do is when you've learned Torah and you teach someone else that knows less than you do, okay? You're sharing your Torah with him, and you're not charging money for it, you're doing it for free, and this is a compassionate deed, this is a compassionate deed. You know, there, there are Zoom lessons where you, you got to pay to participate. and let you pay to, No way. This is but, but this a marching order from Rabbi Nachman, Yudalit. you got something to teach? Go ahead. Make Turn it into a compassionate deed. And what our, our group, the whole thing, by bringing this Torah into the world and passing it on to other people, this is exactly doing Rabbi Nachman's marching orders right here in Torah, Yudalit. He says, <inaudible> Like the Zohar says, that how do you reveal the glory of Hashem? Wow. Okay, you learn. Suppose somebody comes in, and somebody neither a Noahide or, or not Jewish, or someone who's not at all religious, and he comes in, he says, "Oh, here's the thing: people are there's this group, but, you know they 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 really love it. They really group, of people from around the world." and they're Jews, and they're not Jews, and I heard it's a pretty decent thing, comes in, says, oh, wow, this interesting stuff, this interesting stuff, so when a person comes in, and he's far away, far away from Judaism, far away from the Noahide laws, but doing everything opposite to both, and now he says, so this is right, when he comes in, this is the sanctification of Hashem's name, and it's what Rabbi Nachman says, that the further a person is from Hashem, when he comes into Hashem, that's the greater the sanctification of Hashem's name, Okay, it just takes a person, and take, and, and this is why, be thankful that you're not the son or daughter of a Rosh Hashiva. A son or daughter of Rosh Hashiva nerd, says, does another mitzvah, learns another page of Torah. Okay, so then they were born into it, and they, that's what they're supposed to do, all right. But when somebody comes from the Soviet Union, and not only were they didn't learn Torah, they were not allowed to learn Torah, and now they've got a chance to come. They've come to the UK, they've come to America, they could do it. Fine. Somebody comes to uh an evangelist Southern Baptist home and and they did really evangelist. and said, wait a second, wait a second. This I don't this I don't like this stuff about uh you know trinities and quadruples and all that. That this is one God. And that that makes sense to me. There's one God. Oh, and they said you're gonna burn. Well, wait a second, did you say that? Hashem, he's a loving father in heaven. And uh, hey mom, which one of your kids are you gonna burn? Oh, I wouldn't burn my kids. Well, why do you think you're more compassionate than Hashem? All right. So he leaves all the stuff, he leaves that the, 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 their theology and he comes into Hashem, discovers the Noahide laws, and some discovers his Torah. And there are also uh people that are called righteous converts that they don't stop and we've got some right here in a group, right here, and they were. And took the first step as Noah hides. And they said, wait a second, we've got a big appetite. As there's a seven that doesn't satiate us. We want 613. We want the whole menu. And it continued on to the whole menu. Sanctification of Shem's name. Now, just imagine that somebody, I don't mean to embarrass anybody, and but people don't know who you are. Imagine somebody like Sarah Hollingsworth, whose father is a minister. And now she's a She's a, a Hasidic Jewish wife. Imagine somebody like her husband Yosef, who his parents were into all this voodoo and witchcraft and all this kind of stuff. I don't want to go further. If Sarah and Yosef, I'm hoping to do a podcast with them that they share their story. We, we had this plan when I was in Manchester, so we got to do that. But what a sanctification's name. They came to Hashem from the opposite end of the world, they picked up this what's called the divine sparks. That fell into the opposite ends of the world and bring them to a So I think a just by worthy of the, of the Hollingsworth family in our group in Manchester, shem. you got to bring as a Mashiach. Okay. And then this is right here. This is, and not my words, this words are Rebbe Nachman right here in Torah Yadalid. Okay. I don't mean to embarrass you, Yosef uh, and Sarah, but here's just some just explaining Rebbe Nachman. Okay. But, th- but he says, when the people come far away, and this Rebbe Nachman is quoting the Zohar. We're not just Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman is Rabbi Shumboi Ochai. When these faraway people come in, it elevates the name of Hashem upstairs and downstairs. Hashem's name becomes sanctified downstairs. Hashem's name becomes upstairs. Has Hashem's name becomes sanctified upstairs? You've got tens of thousands. This is Zohar. I'll continue on with, with the Zohar, what Rabbi Nachman is referring to. The same Zohar says that when these far away people come close to Hashem and these hundreds of thousands of angels, they sing in 32 part harmony. Uh, who is like you, Hashem? And look at people where they're coming from to come close to you. This is your glory. This is such an uplifting Hashem's glory. Okay. And this is what, okay, people say, well, how did Jethro merit to have a whole Torah portion on his name? Uh, Jethro, because Jethro came far away. Jethro was the number one idolater. Jethro had PhD in comparative idolatry, comparative religion. He knew how to do every type of idolatry, everything. He left it all. Jethro, he was the man. He was the professor emeritus of idolatry back in the time of Moses. Jethro left everything. And he was a professor in Egypt. Egypt was the capital, world capital of idolatry. And that was the whole test of the the Israelites, when they were when they were slaves in Egypt, that they wouldn't fall into this, <laughs> It close to, but they held on. Jethro was an advisor to Pharaoh's court. He left Pharaoh and he put himself in exile to Midian, Midian's in part of the Sinai Desert. And he said, but he he, he discovered he discovered Hashem. This was I mean, especially when he met his son-in-law when Moses came and Moses sojourned. He Met the said Zipporah. Moses married Zipporah. Moses became. Jethro's son in law. And Jethro saw the miracles that Hashem did for Moses and for the Jewish people. And Jethro says, He says, Now I know, not I believe, now I know that Hashem is greater than any God. And and that says the Zohar, that was a tremendous uplifting and, and a magnificent uplifting of Hashem's glory. Okay. So, this is how we uplift Hashem's glory through loving kindness. Nimsa, Rabbi Tab says, okay, what, okay we, we now make a temporary conclusion. A top we learned now. Zekvodo, Adam, t'atzmam lifnim Okay. So we just now learned, says Rabbi Nachman, that the further a person is away from Hashem, the greater the sanctification of Hashem's name is when that person comes close. And Rabbi Nachman says, And we're talking about it. We're talking about Ba'alei Tshuva. We're talking about righteous converts. We're talking about Noahides. Anybody that was outside of the Munah and now comes inside of Amunah and accepts the, the, the seven moods, We explained in Amunah and the Noahide. Uh, that, and not only do Noahides have to read the book, Jews have to read that book, because when Mashiach comes, it takes the whole world. And especially every Noahide that's a Noahide now is going to be the head of a big Noahide yeshiva. you got to know what's in there. And explains that really the seven Noahide laws are composed really of, of all the 13 principles of Amunah. They're all intrinsic and they're inherent in seven Noahide laws. But when a Noahide comes in, accepts that, he comes close to Hashem. He brings these within the seven Noahide laws are also the Ten Commandments. That you could see also. So I, I want to go into that. I want to sidetrack it to Noahide laws, but uh take a look at uh Amun and the Noahide and, and you'll see how this is so, so it's when they come in, we say all three, both the Balchuva, both the newly observed Jew and the righteous convert and the Noahide, and David won one further. We have in today's generation, because of the challenges of technology and all the Temptations of modern society that kids that were born in the program have fallen by the wayside. Now, when those kids that were born in the program fall by the wayside and they come back in, in other words, after they've fallen in the streets and they see that the stuff going out in the street is not, that's not it. And they come back on their own because nobody ever told them Amunah. They'd learn rote Jewish, they they could teach, uh, I see, could teach a parrot how to say Mordan, you could see a parrot how to pray. Uh, but they, they, we don't pray like parrots. We don't mitzvah like parrots. When a person loses a muna, he does he prays from the heart, or he or she prays from the heart. He does mitzvahs from the heart. So that I would add, is the fourth category, there wasn't people so many people at Rebbe Nachman's time off the derech. People were strong inside. It came later after Rebbe Nachman left the world, and this is one thing he said. This is with the tragedy of losing Rebbe Nachman. So as long as Rabbi Nachman was in the world, the Tsar, the Russian Tsar, he couldn't have, he didn't make the forced draft because Rabbi Nachman spiritually prevented it. But once they had the, the Cantonists, the forced draft and they forced these Jewish boys, it was the poor boys that were forced in the army, didn't have anybody to bail them out anybody to buy them out, anybody to give bribes. So they took most of the poor boys. These poor boys went into the army and they had 25 years forced labor in the army. They pulled them in when they were 10, 11, and 13, but they didn't start counting the 25 years until they were 18. So most of them came out, few came out alive. The ones that did come out alive came out physically broken and spiritually broken. But there's a few stories, a few stories, that this was a terrible, terrible decree. One of the worst decrees in Jewish history, the Cantonist decree, when Tsar Nikolai II made the forced draft of the... The, the Jews in the Pale of Settlement, which is uh, today's uh, Russia, Belarus, Ukraine. OK, so the further you come away and, you get, and then you come back, then you come close to Shem. So we have not only the four groups, once again, have the Bali tshuvas, and we have the Righteous Converts and we have the Noahides and we have the kids that slipped off the program and, and come back in. All right. Now, Rabbi Nachman says, OK, how do we how do we bring people close? Okay, it's our job, and one of not just our job to learn and oh, okay, we're fine. I'm fine. I'm muna, and and they say shalom Nafshi, Everything is fine by me. No, we'll learn in a in Torah five. Rabbi Nachman says that Hashem created the world personally for me. That's not egotistical, but you know, say oh, the world is mine. Yes, the world is yours, but that means that you have to look at what the world needs. We look at the world today. The world needs peace. And the world needs a And how are we going to bring peace? And how are we going to bring a Rabbi Nachman said right here in Torah 14. That's what we're learning, Torah 14. So Rabbi Nachman says, uh, He says, the only way to bring people close to Hashem is by way of the Torah. Like King Solomon says in Proverbs, chapter 5 of Proverbs, and your fountains should flow forth. You're talking about King Solomon talking about the fountains of your knowledge, which is the Torah. Okay. And Rabbi Nachman continues with King Solomon's metaphor. And he says, people that are outside the program, and once again, it doesn't matter whether they're Jews or they're non-Jews, they were born in or born out, or it doesn't matter who they are. If they're outside the program, and if you don't have a Shem in your life, and you don't have a Moon in your life, your soul, you've heard me say that quite a bit, your soul is either spiritual malnutrition or spiritual dehydration. Rabbi Nacho says right here, spiritual dehydration. And he says that way, that why did King Solomon says that your fountains should flow forth, the fountains of your knowledge, that's the Torah. The Torah is compared to water. So when you bring someone to Torah, you bring someone to a you teach him that the first two commandments, so I am the Lord, your God, that's the of Muna, and you have no other God before me, and that's that commandment that's a positive commandment of Muna, and the negative commandment not to serve anyone but Hashem, and you bring that into their lives, and you right away quench the thirst in their soul. You watered their souls. That's why the Torah is compared to water, because it quenches thirsty souls. And there's no such thing. Why are people looking for jollies? People are looking for uh, people. Some people are, are looking. You know, they're the. There's athletic team. There's sports fans, and some people are looking for alcohol, and some people are looking for narcotics, and some people are looking for fast cars, and some people are looking for uh, things that we can't mention here. But why? The, because their souls are thirsty, and this is what King Solomon also says: "On to lo you can't fill your soul up with all this artificial stuff. The only thing to satiate the soul is Torah and Amunah. Torah and Amunah, when you have a connection with the Shem. Okay, so Rabbi Nachman says that this also, and again, he says, there's no glory but Torah. And and this is what Jeremiah the prophet says. Jeremiah the prophet says, Jeremiah the prophet has, a expression that people didn't understand exactly what he said. He said, Jeremiah in chapter 15 says, if you could bring the richness out of the sheep, what do you mean the richness out of the cheap? And the Gomorrah tractate, Baba Messiah says, these are the people that are bringing other people close to Hashem. In other words, they're selling their souls cheap. In other words, uh, one time a young lady asked me, she said, well, what's the problem if I dress modern? She said, London. What's the problem where everybody goes? And I don't know why they go in mini skirts in the winter. I don't understand that because in the, in the fall, that's cold for me in London. <laughs> but they, they said, well, what's the problem? She goes in skirt uh, So I told her, I said, have you ever been to Buckingham Palace? She said, yes. I said, did you ever visit the showcase of the Hope Diamond? She said, yes. I said, what's in there? She says, well, the big glass case and velvet. And these guys with their big sputticks, you know, the, the Royal Guards, and, 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 and they're guarding the Hope Diamond. Oh, you know why? Because the Hope Diamond, what's it worth? Uh, $50 million, whatever it's worth. How many carats is it? Okay. Who's guarding a piece of broken glass in the street? Nobody. Why? Because a broken glass is what it's worth and a Hope diamond is what it's worth. So if a woman is walking around like a piece of broken glass that anyone can see that he's not guarded that she considers herself cheap. Ah, but then a the woman she dresses modestly that uh, this is only for, for for her husband to see you can she looks presentable and she looks in, and she looks she looks beautiful, but you beautiful, she's modest. she's modest. That people don't understand that modesty is beauty because holiness is beauty. That uh, they still look twice at the unclad girl. That more pride for shemila If they found they have to be more careful guarding our eyes with modest women than immodest women. They're looking like at modest women more. No, horses walking around with this, uh, the legs on. Uh, okay, this this is what it means. So she, she becomes all of a sudden. She becomes all of a sudden close to Shem. She realizes, wait a second, I'm a hope diamond. I'm not broken glass. All right. So now she becomes a princess where she was like a broken glass, public property out in the street. No. So this is exactly what Jeremiah is saying. You are now taking something cheap and making it something precious. And when we do, people sell themselves short. Okay, but it's people sell themselves short. A guy, he doesn't know this Torah, he doesn't realize that what he's doing is not according to Allah, you're not allowed to lie in business. He thinks it's legitimate it to, to make money. A lot of people think that the little white lies are a little alteration of the truth or not the full truth. Melissa Rebus says 99% truth, it's 100% lie. Okay. But the person learns hey, wait a second, my bro. That's not the way you do business. That's not the way you do business because your income comes from a shim. And so if you do shtick like this in Yiddish, you do funny stuff. Uh, maybe it'll look like you're making money. Maybe you think you're making money, but then tomorrow, your yeah, car breaks down, refrigerator breaks down. Uh, one of the kids throws a baseball through the neighbor's thousand dollar picture window. You're not gonna the money that is earned outside the context of Torah does not have a blessing. It doesn't have a blessing. So when we bring what Rabbi Nachman is explaining, when we bring people close to Torah, we are bringing out the precious in them that it's like taking a piece of coal, it's apparently cheap, and putting a lot of pressure and polish iron becomes a diamond. Diamond itself is, is a coal, it comes from coal. And this is what King David says in Psalm 113. King David says this in Psalm 113. Exactly what Rabbi Nachman is talking about. Rabbi Nachman often says, he says, listen, I didn't invent any of this. I'm bringing the Zohar and I'm bringing all the sources. I'm bringing the Gemara and, and showing what the Torah says. Rabbi Nachman is giving us concepts. It's all based. We said that King David said it, that Jeremiah the prophet said it, the Gemara says, okay, Rabbi Nachman is just bringing this to us. He says, when a person uh fits far away and he comes close to Shem, he prays to Hashem, and then this shows that what King David says in Psalm one thirteen that Hashem is above all nations, that Hashem is high, He's exalted above all the nations, and that means that when the nations praise and acknowledge Hashem, this His glory is lifted above the heavens. So what Rabbi David said before, above and below, but above the heavens goes higher and higher and higher because there's no limit to that, and then. This glory ascends into the darkness, and down in this world, what's darkness? Darkness is evil. Darkness is war. Darkness is strife. Darkness is violence. The more Hashem's name becomes known, the more people get close to Hashem that brings light into the world. Peace is light. This is the war between peace and war, between dark and light. And this is what Lubavitcher Rebbe said repeatedly. One of the Rebbe's famous, favorite expressions was, he says, especially before Hanukkah and Kislev, he says, a little bit of light chases away a lot of darkness. He talked about it about so lighting the Hanukkah candles, kind of a jet black room, and you light a few little Hanukkah candles, and it's lichtik, like they say in Yiddish, it's, it's illuminating. Okay. So now, Rebbe Nachman says, how do we bring people to awaken themselves inside? He says, that the only way that these faraway people can come in to, to chase the darkness away, what the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, is to illuminate them. And what illuminates them is the Torah. We bring them to Torah. And once again, we bring them to Torah that they can relate to. Uh, well, we always start with Amuna because Amuna is the one on the left side of the check got all these zeros on the check and there's no one on the left side. One, I am the Lord, your God. Hashem al Hashem echad. That's the one. As soon as we tell people that there's one God, one Hashem, and he runs everything, then it's easy for them to learn everything. And that's why we concentrate on Emuna and Amuna and Amuna. Rabbi Nachman, his nuance, we talk about the five uh, tzaddikim that were sparks of the souls of Moses. First was Moses himself. Moses brought down from Mount Sinai the written Torah. And the next was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was the spark of Moses. He brought down the esoteric Torah. After that was the Arizal, Rabbi Yitzchak Luria Ashkenazi. He brought down the Torah of Kabbalah. And then was the Baal Shem Tov. He brought down the Torah of Chassidus, And then Rabbi Nachman, the great grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, he brings down the Torah of Emunah. The Torah Rabbi Nachman brings the message of Emunah home. Everything does. this right here. Okay. So we say the Torah, Rabbi Nachman says, that the place of darkness they are, the Torah illuminates them. And that's what I meant, Yafutsu and this blessing that their water should flow forth. And this was also said later of the Balshamtov, that the Balshemtov, the Torah. Of Okay, so now uh, Rabbi Nachman continues on, and he tells us like this. He says, just like there are 600,000 letters in the Torah, there are 600,000 roots of souls in Hashem's thought. Okay, and that's why when he says that before the Am Yisrael, the nation of Israel, was in Hashem's thought before he created the world. So since there were these 600,000 roots of souls that came down translated through the Torah, and that's why every person has a source of his or her soul in a letter of Torah. So when they get close to Torah, this is they get close. We say we bring in, we uplift Hashem by coming close to Hashem, and this is his glory. And we said the source of Hashem's glory is Yirat Shamayim, the awe ah of Hashem. The source of our souls is a letter in the Torah, and we do that by getting close to the letter of the Torah. And it's see, very significant once again that a whole portion of Torah Yitro is named after a righteous convert. And there was a question at first that Yitro. It first became a Noahide, then a righteous convert. There's a lot of talk about that, but uh, we say that, that people want to argue that that, that he was something. That, it's argument. I don't want to go into this right now. But uh, you can see the light of both. He what he was. What we do know that he was the furthest away on earth from Hashem, and he became one of the closest. All right. So now, third of to say. Well, wait a second. Uh, the guy, as a in prison. The guy was in the mafia. The guy was a, a robber made a living make, robbing banks or he made Ponzi schemes or maybe still is in prison. And he says, how can I come close to Hashem? <laughs> this is a question answered a, a many times, many times because I talked quite a bit behind, behind bars. And, oh, Hashem, I used to go home every day. That it, 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 It's easy to get into prison. It's not so easy to leave there. All right, but my first job as a, as a Rav was uh, as a Rav of a, a prison here in Israel, and guys say, "What well, uh, Shem's never accept me." Uh, you don't know a Shem. Look what Rabbi Nachman says: "Gam the criminals, Koz man sh Yisrael Okay, as long as they haven't thrown the book away, as long as they haven't declared themselves idolaters, that declared themselves uh, whatever, and long as they don't they, don't, they don't throw it away. And uh, they say, Who are you, my bro? He says, I'm a Jew. Okay, that's it. You're good enough. That's it. That's all I need to know. Or if a person, you can say someone else. Okay, uh, who are you? Uh, I'm a Noahide. Uh You know, you believe in Hashem. Oh, okay. You're one of the tribe. That's it. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I've did good contact with people with life sentences behind bars, and they have become Balechuva. And they become balei tshuva, and they're learning Torah. And it, uh, unbelievable, one, one guy who has been learning dafyomi for more than eight years, he's already finished the whole Gemara behind bars. <laughs> it's amazing! And uh, these people. Another guy. who was he was in a fight when he was young, and he had, was a hot head, and he was protecting himself. But they they sent him to prison for murder. And he's, this guy's such a wonderful guy. This was already 25 years ago. And he went to the front of the parole board. And the parole board in an anti-Semitic state, I don't want to say it, I don't want to do anything to re- reveal this guy's identity. And the parole board, but sure, he did, went to yeshiva. he did a rabbinical ordination in prison, he did a master's degree in prison. Look, this guy's doing such great stuff in prison. And they wouldn't give him a payroll. They, they wouldn't parole him. And so, so. I what can I do? But it's, it, it's all right. So I told him when I, I write him, he writes with me all the time. And I said, you've got four walls of bars and concrete around you. There's no concrete over your head. Shem is right there with you. And one of the reasons, the special reasons that I hope that Mashiach comes soon is that all these guys, they come home to Eretz Yisroel. Let Mashiach will parole them. No problem. Okay, so even Rabbi Nachman says, says right this encourages these guys. That's why they love learning. They love learning that there's a lot of Likute Moran in, in the prisons. Okay, there was a, a Instagram photo going around the web today. Uh, I, I think we're, I think I got it from the Hollingsworth family about that pilot in the F-16, and he's showing his pilot or navigator. He's got his copy of Likute Moran. Yeah, there. They're up, in the, they're up in, the, in the fighter planes and they're in the prisons and everywhere. Rabbi Nachman's everywhere because the Rabbi Nachman's a Torah of So Rabbi Nachman says that the criminals, as long as they haven't thrown in the towel, which means they haven't given up on, on Hashem, okay, that Hashem is still with them. And even though this is a Gomorrah tractate, Sanhedrin, page 44, even though he sinned, he's still got Hashem's name upon him because he still believes in Hashem. And he has a foothold in the upper in, in Hashem's realm. A foothold in Hashem's realm. Okay, the guy's in prison down here, but upstairs he's got a foothold in Hashem. And by this illumination, and it's Rabbi Nachman says heat notitzut. Not even illumination. It's a flash. It's a quick flash. The guy has a quick flash where he loves Hashem. A quick flash. I wish I, I was closer to Hashem. At this he is elevating. The root of his soul close to a sham bite. This is a hero tshuva. A quick is a, a quick thought. I want to get close to a sham. A quick thought of a sham. That's all. Doesn't matter where this guy is. And then what happens when this spark goes up to a sham? A sham sends down a bonfire. Sham sends a, a a whole spectrum of illumination to light up this guy's soul and light up this guy's soul. And this guy ends up making jufa or becoming a Noahide, or whatever, whatever he's doing. So this is this is the sinner. Sinner's got big hope. Now we go into letter four, the fourth part of Torah Yudalad. Rabbi Nachman says like this. Rabbi Nachman is quoting a Gemara and page and tractate Nadarim, page eighty one. okay, now Rabbi Nachman is going. Okay, we talked about the the Noahides, we talked about the Balei Tshuvas, we talked about the righteous convert, we talked about the guys that fell off the wagon but coming back in. Now, Rabbi Nachman asks a serious question. He says, how come the sons of Torah scholars aren't Torah scholars? Excuse me, Rabbeinu, if you ask that today, this would not be a very politically correct question. Rabbi Nachman doesn't care about political correctness. He's right between the eyes. Okay, so Rabbi Nachman says, how come? Why aren't that? So he says, he gives an answer. He says, because those Torah scholars, their parents, they didn't make a blessing over the Torah. When we wake up in the morning, we make not one blessing over the Torah, we make three blessings of Torah. Okay, so when a person opens the Torah without making a blessing, it means that, uh, okay, he's going through it. You know he's got to learn Torah. He's a scholar, but maybe a scholar for his own honor or for his own prestige but not because of Hashem. It's not because of bringing Hashem's light into the world. When we learn Torah to bring ourselves closer, to bring the whole world closer, this is what Rabbi Nachman says is Torah's chesed. This is the Torah of compassion. But a person learns for himself. A person learns for himself. He doesn't want other people to know because he wants to be smarter than everybody. So he doesn't value the Torah that much because the Torah is simply to a tool for his own aggrandizement, his self-aggrandizement. This is what David Dome calls him a Torah highbrow. Okay, the Torah highbrow, he doesn't share his Torah with anyone else. Okay, this is, he wants to show that he's smarter than everyone and he's better than everyone. Okay, so hey, listen, his son is not going to be a Torah scholar. His son's not going to have a Munah and his son is not, not going to have the awe ah because he's not getting it at home. His father doesn't have it. So every person, especially the Torah scholar, has to appreciate. What this valuable, priceless light is, and to say in the morning, Asher Torah. He's got to going to say Torah's blessings. Got to bless Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, that your name be sanctified. That I have the privilege of learning Torah. So then he says, Nimsa. that's another another interim conclusion. Rabbi Nachman does. When daddy learns Torah to share with other people and to uplift the glory of Hashem in other words daddy and mommy are into outreach then the kids are going to be on the program you got that, Daddy and Mommy want the kids to program. People say, "Oh, my kids are off the Derrick. What do What do you do? And where you're? The, then the golf club. Abba time you spend the golf club. Mommy, you're with the, the the sisterhood with your girlfriends. What about uh When did the kids see guests on the Shabbos table? Did the kids see Daddy talking about the Shabbos port? Did the kids see Mommy teaching a woman how to how to make the mitzvah of challah? You know, the the one hostage that, that came back that they they rescued. This is from the McGinnish family in Kirat Gat, not far from Ashdod, and it's Ori McGinnish. Her mother, the Shabbos before she got rescued, she didn't, the mother didn't go to the UN, the mother didn't go to the Knesset, the mother didn't go crying to the newspapers. The mother took her, the grandmother and the aunties and the neighbors and all these wonderful women, they went in and they did a challah baking and they all, 40 women, took challah off and they baked challahs for Shabbat and baked challahs for the poor people, for Torah scholars. The Shabbat afterward, boom, there was a, 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 a lesson that nobody's talking about it now. But they say and tabi was small change into what they did, that the special forces together with the shin Beit, they went by in lines to rescue Ori Megidish and they brought it back home. This is the power of a mitzvah. This is the power of a mitzvah. Like He said, you know what it is? Look, mom, you want your girls to be on a program? Call them in. Don't let them see you make challah. Come on, sweetheart you going to help mommy bake challah. We're going to take, doing the mitzvah challah. Okay? And then say, like, well, She takes the challah off. And this is what she's doing. And mommy's going to cry. And she's praying for daddy's good health in his Torah. And she's praying for her son. Praying for the Shiddukhi. Praying for Klai Yisrael. She's praying, Hashem, protect every soldier. Hashem, bring the captives home. You know the power of this mitzvah? People would do it. This is Hashem's glory. You have Hashem's glory. Hashem is not going to give us a reward for the glory. People, the people in business as usual, I think people do, and but no, it's not business as usual. We're all on the front line, and if we're not carrying a rifle, we got to carry a book of Tehillim. And if we're not carrying a rifle, a book of Tehillim, we got to be talking about Hashem and talking about what Hashem wants from us. And this is not just here within the book Hashem in America. that people shared with me lovely pictures of what went on in Washington, D.C. It was a Kiddush Hashem. I did there was a shocker. He said 20,000 people in front of the White House putting on filling? Come on, who sees this? All right, This is where all around. And this is it's gonna blow anti-Semitism all of it in, in Florida. The, the Florida increase of anti-Semitism, not just in Florida, Florida, all of the United States, 450% rise in hate crimes in America. How much are Jews in the population in America? 2%? 60% of the hate crimes in America are against Jews. Hey, there's a war going on in America too. Anybody wake up? Okay, this is it. we're all fighting war. There's no such thing. It's just it's just by us in the south of Israel or up in Lebanon border. No, no, it's for all of us. And if you think that that's not enough, I, I get letters from Noah's brothers and sisters every single day, the wars they have. Wow. And what's that? When a person throws away the all the, the, the crosses and stuff like that, what a sanctification of Hashem. Got a family in Alabama, Utah, Alabama, E U T A W, Utah, Alabama, and they own a garage. The garage is in the back door. Okay, they had a tornado in Alabama, and a week before the tornado, they decided not only are they going to be full fledged Noahides, but they decided that they, they took all the extra for They want to eat kosher, and they were, okay, they're allowed to do that. That's fine. So they took anything out of the house that that, that wasn't. Uh, comp- in complete uh in complete sync with one God and all the images and all the statues and all the crosses that had a bonfire. Next week there was a tornado. That tornado came ripping through. Look at that, ripped out the whole town of Utah, Alabama till it came to their street. Imagine a tornado came to their street, street of the Nohides, and it said like a like a soldier in the Marines. Okay, step right and step right. The tornado came to a halt and just step right. And made a complete 90% turn. Tornadoes do not make 90% turns. That's what did this. The power of a mitzvah, the power. When you come far away and you come close to Hashem, you're lighting up the whole world upstairs and downstairs. And this is why you can't, you, you see somebody that's come far away, come so close to Hashem. Wow, odd. It's awesome. The people are awesome. And Rabbi Nachman says, okay, dad, all right, you're in a program. So you want your son to be in a program. You gotta show a love of Torah that you think but you open up the Torah, you maybe more you learn Brachas based on the Allah? you learned it a hundred times. But now we're time looking at to learn that first word in the Mishnah, like you never learned a word in the Mishnah in your life. well, look at the light in this word. And the son sees how you do. You know, your son is looking at you when you're in shul. He said, What daddy doing? So, what's many daddies are doing? It used to be that they had blackberries, blackberries are out of it. It's all iPhones so now. And people bring in their iPhones to show them, they're checking text messages. You know what that is? That's a statement. Where's Hashem's glory? It means that the glory of a text message is greater than Hashem's glory. So in the middle of Yehosh May Rabbah, we're praising Hashem's glory. Guy's checking his text message. Come on, man. Forget about your kid being in the program. Forget about it. Because he sees you, he sees you. you're making a statement. You don't have to say a word and tell you kid, know, "Oh, do this, do this, do your hater homework. You're not going to do his hater homework, daddy. He can't wait till he has an iPhone like you have because you were showing him that the iPhone is more important than the praying. Now that could work that way. So he's looking at how does daddy pray? How does daddy learn? The daughter's looking at this. how does mommy dress? How does mommy speak? Okay, mom, you can't say that. But then she hears the way mommy talks on the phone. Oh, mommy has one law for me and another law for herself. Uh-uh, not, not that. This is personal example. And this is where Rebbe Nachman is throwing the book at parents. Rebbe Nachman doesn't mess around. Rebbe Nachman goes right in the eyes. And Rebbe Nachman is not easy. There's times where he shot down Rebbe Natan for uh, for a button. Rebbe Nachman is not an easy Rebbe. He's not called a pushing and pushy Rebbe. No, Rebbe Nachman gives it right between the eyes. But if but his he wakes us up. He wakes us up. Rebbe Nachman is the commander that sees a soldier in shell shock and slaps him on the face and wakes him up. And that's what you did. That's what you did At one time in the war, in World War II, General Patton slapped a soldier with shell shock in the face. They make the a whole federal case out of it. Now, but this is Rabbi Nachman. That's, he's, a, he's a rough commander, but he brings us home from the war alive and he's going to bring us to Mashiach alive. And that's what Rabbi Nachman says. My fire will burn until the coming of Mashiach. This is the fire, the fire, the light of Amunah. So continue down. So he says, he says, if you want your son to grow up that way, and that you're going to have to shine the light on him too. And he says, uh, the neshama, he talks about the neshama of a son. Your son's neshama is, Ani He says, because your son is spiritually slumbering, and we spiritually slumbering, the lights are out. And he's got no illumination on his soul. So you have to wake your son up. Because how do you wake your son up? You wake your son up by you loving the Torah, by you, Daddy, blessing the Torah. And that brings your son to the root of his soul when you come close to your soul. Okay, that's it. Now we go on to letter. Hey, let's see, see if we can make a little bit thing. No, I'm not going to rush through right here. This we will we'll, we'll hold up now. Next week, God willing, we will continue on letter hey, the letter five of, of uh, Torah Yudalid and Boch Hashem, we should be able to take Rabbi Nachman's examples to illuminate our own souls, to illuminate the souls of the children, to illuminate the souls of people that are far away. And by illuminating the souls of people far away, we bring peace into the world, we uplift Shem's glory, and Hashem is going to bring us Mashiach and a rebuilt holy temple, speed in their days, amen.